right, all right, all right. Hey, y'all, this is Sister Nayira and my co-host, Brother David, my husband. (laughs) Well, we are truly excited for you today to bring forth episode number 13, Heal on Purpose. Listen, we missed last Tuesday because we was in the beautiful city of Mexico. However, we are here today to continuously to provide solutions to eradicate generational traumas, dramas, limiting beliefs, and self-sabotaging behavior patterns. Our focus, our goal, our intentions is to repair the family spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Regardless to race, class, creed, or color, if you are listening to Heal on Purpose, you have a place with us. So what we're going to ask you to do because this is a live broadcast as well, on Facebook, we're going to ask that you go ahead right now and share the live, okay? And for my podcast listeners, we're going to ask that you like and subscribe to the podcast, ensuring that every single week you are tapped in with us. And so today, I am not doing this show and interviewing somebody else. I have my husband here as a co-host. We decided to do something very different, and that is to do a question and answer with Sister Nayira and Brother David on any topic, any subject, at any time. So right now, I'm going to ask my... I'm going to turn this over to my husband, y'all, because y'all know I'm, I'm the talker, right? I'm the speaker. But I'm going to turn it over to my husband so that he can just go ahead and um, say what it is that he want to say to get us open, open and ready, because this program going to be lit. And last but not least, and like I said, I am the talker. If you have not had the opportunity to get your questions in, do not hesitate to put it in the chat and we will go ahead and answer your question as well. So I'm turning this over to my husband, y'all. Welcome to Heal on Purpose with Sister Nayara and Brother David. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you, family, for tuning in. I am extremely excited to share this uh, hosting platform with my wife. Uh, We are finally doing something together, not finally, but we are doing something together, which is um, actually something that we've been talking about for some time now. We just never got to it. However, um, I'm really, really excited, though, about doing this because we have some very good questions and um, I'm just looking forward to digging in. And uh, thank you to those of you who are already tuned in. We definitely appreciate the comments and the questions. So let's get it started. Yes. And with that being said, let me just say this, because I know the people want to know, okay? <laughs> this is one of these things where the people want to know. Before we get involved in the questions, y'all know we just got back from Mexico. All right. Yes. And Mexico was definitely a work trip. I know it'd be looking like we'd be on vacation, and we do. <laughs> However, it was a work trip. And so the people want to know, uh, babe, what was Mexico like for us? So I'm going to let you start out with that beautiful, that beautiful question. What was Mexico like for us? Wow. Well, <laughs> I'm going to start it off like this. It was definitely uh, a culture shock in terms of... Um, the language barrier, right? Because we had to do everything through uh, Google Translator, which is fine, right? Uh, but at the same time, it just it made us very aware of what we need to do, like very, very quickly, uh, in terms of learning another language. So 
we're definitely going to explore Spanish now because we realize the importance of our communication uh, level expanding uh, the way that it should be so that we could communicate uh, at least more in depth with our audience and or um, the world at large, right? And, and that's really, really important because uh, communication shouldn't never be a barrier uh, in that sense, especially when we're talking about helping the world at large. So um, yeah, that was that was the first part, right? <laughs> well, at least the, the, the part of our experience, I, I'll start with that. So yeah, traveling in the city of Mexico, first and foremost, it was not touristy, okay? So we went to Mexico City, in which from my understanding, it is five times bigger than New York. And it was extremely busy. I mean, just walking down the streets, you know, being in the, in the, the, what was it? The Uber, you know, just seeing all of the different um, aspects of the culture was something definitely new for me. And I, I, you know, for real, like it was a taco stand on every corner. Like, no, not just every corner. It was a taco. It was like, 10 taco stands, (laughs) 10 taco stands on one block. And there was nobody that seemed to be in competition. It's like, if you went to that taco stand, you went to that taco stand. And so I just was able to see, you know, the benefit of unity, of seeing the people working together. And then of course, you know, um, being able to go to the pyramids, it was definitely different from um, Egypt. And uh, like my husband said, you know, being able to, understand the the necessity level of learning another language. And so uh, we are are excited about being able to learn Spanish. Um, We definitely are getting the dual, what is it? The Duolingo? Duolingo. Duolingo. (laughs) And so it's actually um, giving us another aspect of edification in our marriage and doing something together. You know, um, we're going to start these questions off, but we had a lot of relationship questions. And so to add to that, one of the things that we do as a couple is we strive to learn together so that no, no spouse is left behind. Somebody need to write that in my chat. For sure. Especially when you are married, um, you definitely want to have a policy a policy in your relationship where no spouse is left behind. Because what I have found, you know, as a life coach and previously married, that spouses can get left behind because, you know, it's like you start out together, but you start to grow apart if you are not being edified um, together or in studying together and praying together and different things of that sort. So to learn Spanish together is going to be, um, yeah, really excited. So that's, that's for the people that wanted to know how was Mexico. <laughs> that's how Mexico was. It was definitely an experience. Thank you, Sister Yasmin. That's right. No spouse left behind. That's right. All right. And those those are just put that in, put that in, put that in your mental note or in, in the chat that Sister Nayira and Brother Davis policy in our marriage is that we're not going to leave one another's behind right there's a there's a no failure no failure no failure option no option to fail no option to fail failure is not an an option option. policy in our relationship so that is a tip on relationship building so we're going to get right into it babe is there anything that you want me to say before i continue on and again if you all are just jumping in on this on this um podcast today 
This podcast is a question and answer with Sister Nayara and Brother David on any topic, any subject matter as it relates to the repair in the Black family, okay? So is there anything that you want to say before I get started? No, let's uh, let's go ahead on and dive right into uh, the questions. No, I'm good. All right, good. And so we're going to ask our listening audience to continue to like and share. And if you have a question, then drop that also in our comment section. So the first question we have, I'm going to let you read that, babe. Sure. So our first question is, why do I have so much faith and belief and trust in Allah God, but I don't have the same for myself? Which is a really, really good question. So um, the way that I would answer that is validation, right? And the reason why I say validation is because a lot of times uh, we look outside of ourselves for uh, that idea of belief and or faith, right? When um, there is a scripture that says that faith without works is dead. Well, we know that, you know, God is definitely doing his part. He always has and he always will. Um, to me, I would just say that, you know, we too have to pick up the same banner and uh, make sure that we're doing the work necessary right to increase our faith and or belief not just in god but we are that representation of god uh in this time or in any time because god will manifest himself not just through other men and women but through ourselves so that's what i have to say about that babe what you what you think um well thank you babe that was actually really good and um, to add on to what you already said, you know, the first thing that came up into my mind is a broken people and how we have been conditioned to look outside of ourselves, to look to the heavens, right, above, but not to look within. And that is, for me, that's, uh, is, it is a result of being made into a slave from a DNA cellular level where our ancestors couldn't, they could they didn't have time to believe in themselves because believing in themselves would, would be a source of empowerment. And that was broken. We was broken spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So those things, regardless to what religion you're in, those things, it sometimes it shows up, right? right. It, it shows up and, and it's, we're unaware, like we're not conscious that I'm putting so much energy into the God that, you know, that I'm from versus the God within me. And in the Holy Quran, it says that Allah does not change a condition of a people until the people change their own conditions, right? I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, in addition, well, with that being said, you know, sometimes it's very difficult for us to even look and face our conditions. So we're looking at, we continuously to look up versus look within. So I understand that, that that's a conditioning. It's a part of the slave uh, mentality that sometimes we operate from unaware Right. So it's not a conscious thing, right, you know, it's unconscious. And this is why we have to constantly affirm and reaffirm our abilities. You know, sometimes we get into the process that we we don't see the power from within when when we know we've read the scriptures, maybe, or we understand that, 
you know, that Allah gives us power and dominion and authority, but the, it's the exercising of that power that, as you stated in your question, we don't believe in. And that is a constant, that is a constant thing where you have to show up, listen to this. And if you all are listening, no matter who you are, where you are, you have to show up and do the work and affirm. This is, this is like one of my affirmations. I am a God. God simply means force and force and power. You have the ability to have the force. You have the power. You have the ability to have power, which is to be able to influence your situations, your circumstances, your life, your family, your community, and anything else um, that it is that you desire to to be, to do, and to have. So it's for me in in just being. In simplicity, I know I said a lot, but in simplicity, it's just reaffirming to yourself that you are a God, that you are a God, and then take action steps. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Take action steps to prove to yourself that you are a God. And so that will increase your faith in yourself as you begin to see the wins in your life. That's another thing, baby. You said validation. Count your blessings. Meaning count your wins. Yes. And the, the more you count your wins in life, and it's okay, let me say that, because some of us, we don't, we think that that's not good. No, count your wins, right? And the more you count how you're winning in life, it actually increases your self-confidence so that you can believe in yourself because you've been in tough situations before and you've been able to come through those tough situations and you know that that power is not you alone, but it is a power within you. So I hope and pray that the person that answered, asked this question, that that was suffice enough. And again, everything that we say here, it is our view from our viewpoint, our experiences, and, and you know, we're going to reference it to, to the God. So right. that's the first question. Did you have anything else you want to say, babe? Yeah, I just wanted to add, you know, I, I love what you said, sweetie, because um, um, I, I think about that word belief and um, I break that down for myself um, as I did some years ago. And what I came up with is two words and that's be and live or life, right? And be means to exist as or to exist and or to exist as and live to me would represent the working out of or the working out in. Right. So, um, you know, just putting that together, you know, I could just ask myself the question, what am I working out in as it relates to my belief or my existence? How am I working out that faith or or my salvation or my mission or whatever it is that I'm looking at uh, so that I can exercise the idea of belief in myself so that I am expressing what Allah has put in me. Oh yeah. See now y'all see the chemistry. Y'all see the chemistry because I'm about to bounce with that too. <laughs> Okay. And again, if you are jumping on, we are taking questions and answers. We have a, a lot of questions here. So, you know, you might want to get a pen and a piece of paper. So to that last question, which was the first question, to the last question, um, and this is why we need a support team. Because you're right, it's it's hard to believe in yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you need to be attached to people that believe in you 
until you can believe in yourself. So a support team, uh, like-minded people, you know, don't be around the negative naysayers that every time you have something that you want to do in your life that, you know, your faith is counteracted counterintention on your faith in yourself, you definitely want to be around like-minded people or in people that's higher than you. Let me say that again for the for the people that's in the background that may did not that did not hear that. Right. You definitely want to be around people that appears to be higher than where you are so that it can give you more aim and aspiration to develop yourself. Yeah. So that's what I would say too. With that being said, we're going to move to the next question. Again, if you are just tuning in to Heal on Purpose broadcast with Sister Nayara and Brother David, we're going to ask that you go ahead and like like the post, share the post, and shoot us some questions as well. So, babe, what's the next question? All right, all right. So, our next question is, how does one rehabilitate a friendship or relationship with someone after a misunderstanding oh we y'all look y'all giving us some questions today <laughs> that is a really really good one and so um i'm a, since i i ended off i'm gonna turn it over to you babe no actually i want you to uh go ahead and go first because i went first last time i just want to make sure that we're bouncing back and forth if that's okay mm -hmm. so okay so first and foremost rehabilitation so my viewpoint is that you have to acknowledge it first within yourself. So somebody write that in the comment section. And if you are listening to my podcast, I want you to write, write this in your notes. Acknowledge, acknowledge that, okay, there is something wrong. There's something that's happening with this relationship. Why do you say that, Sister Nair? Because we can find ourselves in the point of I'm good. It's all good. No, acknowledge. First, tell yourself the truth. Second, and then take responsibility for what you may have contributed to the relationship that needs to be rehabilitated. You got to be fine. Just you have to find something in the matter, even if it was the, the person that, you know, 100 percent that person did X, Y and Z from your viewpoint. But there's always listen up, family. There's always room to take responsibility. That's right. And so when we can do that, starting with self, taking responsibility, acknowledging and being truthful about the about the the process that needs to take place, then that's when we start to further develop the process to rehabilitate that relationship. Somebody put it in the chat, acknowledge the wrong. Absolutely. That's that's why I love you know, the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad as a student of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, there's a blueprint for everything. Right. And we do have those eight steps of atonement, which is a formula, right? So if somebody is listening, I would like for you to put that in the comments, the eight steps of atonement, but that's a formula for success, right. you know? And as, as, as people that we have had broken relationships for over 400 years, <laughs> okay, we Say didn't we didn't just get into broken relationships, <laughs> right. right? It's the art of communication. Communication is the universal solvent. Right. There has to be a willingness 
to communicate. Yeah. Because nine times out of 10, from my experience and as a transformational life coach, when things go wrong, people automatically fall out of communication. You have to first get in communication with yourself, meaning, okay, I got to work this out. It, it's called touch and agree. You got to uh, go into agreement with, I'm ready to work it out. And then reach out and touch. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? You got to pick up that phone. And uh, personally, I would say pick up the phone and set a meeting. Be um, able and willing to share space with the person, even if the person do not want to share space. That's where you have to be inviting enough and say, can we go get a cup of coffee? Right. Because if the if the relationship is worth saving, then it's worth you making the necessary steps to go ahead and mend the relationship. So be willing to share space with the person, invite them out for coffee or tea or, you know, whatever it is that you all do, but put it in a public space so that now both parties have one another, one another's attention. So share space, you know, be willing to touch and agree on you taking responsibility and then allow that other person, allow them to have their experience with you in the relationship. Meaning if they do not agree with you, it's totally fine. All you want to do is to be able to be the one that is taking the higher word road or in word to provide solutions. That's what I would say, starting out with intention. Intention is everything. Intention is everything. So that's my viewpoint. What do you say, babe? Yeah, you said it, baby. I, I realize even more now, you know, why I'm married to you. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> that's right. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. Because, you know, okay. I, I'm, I think about that, that word or at least that phrase, um, willingness to experience, because um, you're absolutely right. You know, we really have to look at what is it that I'm willing to experience with this particular person as it relates to atonement um, to get this, this relationship repaired or this friendship repaired. And I say that because a lot of times, you know, we don't mind starting the conversation, but we don't really, we haven't really thought about how the conversation is going to affect us and or how is the person going to receive what it is that I have to say. Right. And um, we just want to be we want to have a, a, a 360 degree viewpoint on how the conversation can can go. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, you really have to be willing to experience not just the good, because, of course, we're hoping that it turns out good. Right. Um, and usually or, or typically, you know, that's what we're thinking. Well, you know, if I go to this person and I just apologize and say what it is that I have to say, we'll be all good. But that may not be the end result. So you also have to prepare yourself for what may not be a good response to your apology and or your attempt to repair the relationship. So that way, when whatever comes, you're willing to experience the response. And um, it puts you in a better space. It puts you in a better space to be able to receive what it is that this person has to say, right? So um, I definitely am, am, am looking at, you know, the whole idea of willingness to experience. 
And that's a very good point, Sister Anissa. Uh, what if the person does not want to mend the relationship, which is, you know, uh, very valid. It's a very valid viewpoint because if the person doesn't want to mend the relationship, the way that I look at that is if it's something that you really want to do, and I'm talking about the person who's who's willing to step to the person. And if they don't want to have a, a, a talk, then me personally, I would write the person, whether it's email or a, a, a physical letter or a card or something so that you have the opportunity to still put it out there, right? That you would like to move on and or um, put this relationship or friendship at a better um, place than it than it currently is. And I think when you do that, then you you literally start to move the, the parts in the relationship uh, to a better space versus letting it just exist or fester where it is. That's what I would say. Absolutely. And that's a very good, good point, um, babe, where you say write the person a letter. Remember, communication is the universal solvent. And so we have to, again, be willing to have or not to have. So be willing to not have someone talk to you, right? Because everything is energy. Yeah. And so if you are not willing to have that person not communicate to you, then guess what? That also is a form of resistance. So you just want to clear out the resistance and be willing to allow that person to um, not have communication with you. And so acceptance, acceptance is a key form to repairing the relationship. Because one thing I know about us as a people, we feel one another. Right. And so when that person feels that regardless if we have not, if we've talked or if we haven't talked, I don't feel the same contention that I was feeling before because you done sent them the letter. You've done the things that you felt that you can necessarily do to mend the relationship. Okay. Right. So be willing to allow that person to not receive your communication in the way that you intend for it to be. It is, it's called this peace be still with the matter. Right. Okay. Somebody go ahead and make a mental note of that or, and put it in the chat. Again, we're still taking questions. We're going to move right, right along. And I hope the person that had that question for us, that that was a good um, um, uh, answer for you. And another thing, too, I, I, I got to say this. This just came to my mind. Be willing to forgive. Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, when there's a broken relationship, there is a hurt party. And if the hurt party is you, be willing to forgive. And if you hurt somebody, be willing to ask for forgiveness. All right. That goes back to the eight steps of atonement. And I do. I am aware that everyone that's listening is not abreast of the eight steps of atonement that we have in the nation of Islam, which is a formula to success in mending relationships. Right. All right. Good. So the next question is, what is the key to long lasting love? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. You got 23 years over here. <laughs> 23 years of being happily married. Okay, 23. Right. 
Well, I know I can say a lot, but I'm gonna pass this digital microphone over to my husband happily. and let me see, let me see what he got to say. Happily, happily, happily. <laughs> so um I appreciate the question because um from my vantage point, the way that I look at that is I I never wanted a long lasting relationship. I wanted a life lasting relationship. Oh. And a life lasting relationship was my fervent prayer right with uh the woman hence next to me that i love and um the reason why i say that is because i believe in commitment i believe in loyalty i believe in love and i believe that it will last as long as i am willing to do whatever it takes to make uh this relationship or create this relationship to be life lasting um i'm not looking to get into another relationship i'm not looking to have another relationship where my commitment is where it is right and so like my wife just mentioned in in the previous question intention is everything so when i communicate what i'm communicating i am communicating it in a sense where i'm not looking for years to be together i'm looking for a lifetime to be together so I believe that that is, <clears throat> excuse me, very much so key when we're talking about having a, a, a life lasting relationship. And then my other point is um, expectancy, right? A, a lot of times we go into relationships expecting things in our own minds and that expectancy lasts for forever. And we don't even communicate it most times with the other person. And then when something else happens, then we become disappointed. So I really too would like to just share that the idea of uh, expecting someone to do a thing for you or with you to um, don't do that in a, in a sense where it's a selfish communication like you you've just kept it to yourself because then it's not beneficial for the the couple right for the unit so i would just say to make sure that you communicate whatever those things are so that that person is fully abreast whether it's um a comfort thing or discomfort thing as it relates to treating you or not treating you in a certain sense or manner and then that way that that person and or you are not shocked and are not upset when um, you know those quote unquote expectations are not met. Beautiful. All right, y'all. Mm, y'all heard it. So, in addition, to, in addition to that, and I'm going to ask that you go ahead and write these down um, because this is not just a talk. It's really, you know, uh, it's it's a it's a it's a formula, right? These are formulas that we're giving you. Um, from our viewpoint of what, how and why we've been so successful in helping ourselves, starting with ourselves and being a good example with the repair of the Black family and our efforts to pass on successful actions so that we can be holistic, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, individually, as a family, as a community, ultimately as a nation and the world. So um, one 
the question was, what is the key to a long-lasting love? First and first, first and foremost, love seeks to please. Okay. So when you love somebody, you are willing to take care of that individual, which to me, taking care means paying attention to the other person, which is your spouse. In addition to love seeks to please and you are paying attention to that person, have you established or you should, I, we recommend that you establish core values. Oh, yeah. What are the core values in the relationship? See, when you have core values, that's the standard, mm -hmm. right? And you can always go back and look at the agreement in the marriage. The agreement is not just your your vows because, you know, we've been married 23 years and we have to con constantly, not constantly, but periodically renew our core values because as we grow, as we change, our value system change. Some things remain the same, but growth requires change. Right. So we have to, you know, look at and, and reevaluate where we are in the relationship now because we're not the same people that we were 23 years ago when we met. So we are, we set core values, which is the policy in our relationship. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you got to have um, what I said, we, we use the term policy, but it's what is the agreements in the marriage, right. right? And these things are not just talking about family. You should, I recommend that you should write them down yeah. so that you can go back and revisit, revisit the core values and then talk about it. Like you got to stay in communication as it relates to that. Then the next thing is dating. Like my husband and I, we truly we truly like set aside time that we literally date one another. Okay. He know my favorite thing is I got to go to the movies. We'll go to the movies at least once a month. Um, I might be a little cranky, right? <laughs> right. So it's just our time out. You need time out for the relationship because we're going to always be the children's mother or the father's child, the, the father to the children, the businessman, the businesswoman, the such and such, the soldier, and all of these different things. Okay. Right, right. So you got to have your husband, your husband hat on and your wife hat on. That's the assignment. Okay. <laughs> we understand the assignment over here yes. that we do have the role as wife and we do have a role as husband outside of everything else we do. And we honor the, we honor one another in those roles as much as possible. Create, create, create. OK, you got to become or um, ensure that there's a level of creativity in the marriage. Creativity, create and, and recreate the, re the relationship. Keep the things that's necessary and the things that don't belong. You got to be willing to destroy some things. There are some things that come in your marriage that don't belong in your marriage that's or right. your relationship, because I know I understand, you know, everybody ain't married. OK. However, that's the goal. <laughs> um, but you got to be willing to you got to be willing to destroy things that that no longer serves the relationship. Hey, family, if this is serving you, go ahead and let us know in the comments. Drop us some hearts, likes and love so that we can know that what we're giving you is beneficial for you. So, um, yeah, you got to be willing to destroy what no longer serves in the relationship. And then another thing is marriage goals. You got to have marriage goals. For sure. That's how, listen, you have your individual goals because you don't want to be lost into the other person. Right. You have your individual goals and then you got to have your marriage goals and then reassess 
your marriage goals. Okay. So um, that's what I would say as it relates to long lasting. My husband said long lasting life. <laughs> life lasting. I never heard that part before, but I got it. Thank you so much. Now, see, I just learned something about my husband. Okay. That's another key. Be willing to learn something about the person. Um, we have this policy in our relationship where we just don't take it for granted that we know one another. Mm. Mm -mm. No, it's always something to discover about that person. And, you know, I know periodically I'll, you know, I'll say that, you know, I don't, I don't like for my husband to be just be so common with me where he forgets to, you know, uh, you know, keep me like he got me, <laughs> you know? So, um, that's what I would definitely say. You know, I strive to continuously grow so that I'm a mystery with my husband at times that he has something to look forward to, right, you right. know, cause, uh, 23 years, you can get real common with the person and that person don't be excited and that takes you ever growing within yourself so that the next person with you not only is content with you but they are seeking to discover you right okay because i'm a gift yeah and this gift has to constantly be unwrapped i gotta unwrap. as as he's a gift i'm trying to unwrap. all right and i'll be constantly unwrapping him Okay, and another thing is, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop because I could go on and on about marriage. Yes. Because first and foremost, I love being a wife. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say that. Yes. That is a key. That is. Like key. I love being a wife. I do. Like it's it's a life goal. I love being a wife, and that sets the that sets the atmosphere. Okay, to a happy marriage. Some people are married by duty. Okay. Let me just be quiet because that might be since now you're okay. <laughs> no, this is not just a duty. I love the function of being a wife. Right. Right. And so that that exudes in our relationship. Um, and yeah, I, I guess that's all I can say about that. I love being a wife, and that's what helps to, I believe, my husband can say more. I believe that cultivates our marriage. I love calling him my husband. I don't refer to him as brother. You know, it, when I do have to call him by his name, David, I be kind of like, oh, okay. I have to get a little comfortable with that. But I love saying my husband. Right. I, I do. You know, so it's just the essence of me that I, I'm just one of those sisters that I just love being a wife. I, I love being a wife. And I thank Allah that he blessed me with a husband that I can truly say is a man of God. So um, that's that's what I have to say about that. There's a question. Yes. You want to pull that up? Um, yes. What if one person have goals and the other one does not? Thank you for that question, Maria. This is where you start today. Okay? You start today. You know, marriage doesn't come with the manual. Somebody write that down and then also take a mental note as you listen to the podcast. It doesn't come with a manual, but you have to, if you want to be successful, you study successful marriages. Oh, let me say it again. Come on now. If you want to be successful in your marriage, then you got to be willing to success, study successful marriages. So if you do not have a goal in your marriage, I would say it's, it works it works, then have a goal setting session with your husband right. or your mate or the, the wife with the husband, the husband with the wife. wife. Y'all come together and say, you know what, make it a challenge, babe. Hey, we're going to sit down and we're going to set some goals for our marriage. Where do you see your marriage five years from now? 
right. two years from now, three years from now. You you understand? Like my husband and I, I you know, when can I share? Can I be very transparent? My husband and I, we decided that we was we gonna we was gonna do no more car payments because I had a brand new car every single year, every single year, <laughs> right? And we decided that we was not gonna get no more car payments that the money that we was going to be putting in car payments that we was going to be saving that money up for travels because i want to travel around the world okay so we had to come to a mutual agreement that if we're going to be world travelers then we had to cut back on some other forms of luxuries that's the goal in the marriage to travel around the world together it's not just my goal it's our goal right. so in that we had to be willing to make sacrifices mm -hmm. okay somebody needed to hear this message today because i don't went on a whole tangent so <laughs> so if this is you you got to be willing to make sacrifices in the marriage that is going to benefit the whole of the marriage not just for your now but for your future see yourself in the future in the future of your marriage now however you can visualize yourself your marriage, your marriage in the future, see that now, in the now, okay? So that's what I would say in regards to that. And yeah. it starts right now, today, having a conversation or tomorrow, y'all set up your time and make it good. Okay, this is for the person to ask the question. Y'all got to make it romantic. Like, you know, come on, babe. We're going to sit down. We're going to do some goal setting. Get you some sparkling apple cider. Uh, what's the stuff we be drinking? The little apples. The That's sparkling the, grape. The, spark, the sparkling. Right. Uh, uh, make it a whole. Cider, make it a whole date night. Goal setting date night. Okay. And just trust the creativity that's going to come out of that. All right. I'm done with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? That's important, though, baby, because. You know, the other thing is, and, and you, you, you alluded to this a, a, a little bit, but one of the things, too, that we do um, that I found that we do, you know, just speaking to other men, but we, we begin to take each other for granted. Right. And we want to get out of that practice because one of the things that I do and is I don't wake up in the morning expecting to see my wife in a good mood. I have to help put her there, right? So I have an intention as to, you know, what our day is gonna be like. I don't I don't really just want to think that she's gonna be in a good mood automatically. So I, I, I don't try to take for granted, right, that she is happy with me, right? I'm looking for ways to invent myself to be who and what she needs as a husband because as a husband i know that it is a part of my goal to create for her right and and when she finds me using that creative power well then i know then that that creates a bit of a satisfaction right for her it creates some ease so, um, yeah, I just wanted to elude a little bit on that point about um, taking each other for granted, because a lot of times we get into a marriage and we just think that that person is going to be husband or that person is going to be wife just by happenstance. 
my wife said it all, you know, you, you have to create it. Beautiful. All right. Which leads us right to our next question. How can someone approach the spouse to start repairing the broken relationship? Well, we're going to say that you take some previous notes from the stuff, the talk, the talk that we just had <laughs> right before that question. Because right. literally we're looking down at the paper as the questions was, that were coming in. Um, I would definitely say, again, as previously we said, be willing to take some responsibility and acknowledge acknowledge where you are in the relationship you know and sometimes it just takes transparency vulnerability not sometimes it does it takes transparency vulnerability and say hey listen i love my relationship i know we're not on the best terms we have broken this that any other but ask the question can we work this out right you know the honorable minister lewis farcon teaches us and i do know that this question that came was not from somebody in the nation, but I want to say it in this manner. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan says that if there's an ounce of love, an ounce, then that marriage can be worked out. Right. So first look and see if there's an ounce of love on your part and then ask the spouse, do you have an ounce of love for me? And when that person says yes, then just know this, that there is room for opportunity for that marriage to be worked out and i would say this intention is stronger than words so if you intend for it to work out you go in it with the ability that i am going to repair as much as as much as god would allow me to repair my marriage and it starts with it starts with accepting responsibility mm -hmm. okay yeah. go in it with the intention that Come hell hot water, we're not gonna we not gonna let this go unless there's not an ounce of love. Now, if the person don't have an ounce of love, then you just gotta be willing to be to do to have the relationship where it is at this moment. All right. So um that's what I have to say on that, babe. Is there anything else before we go to the next one? Yeah, I mean, you you pretty much said it all. And and as you already mentioned, you know, that we we've kind of delved into this already. Um, I guess the only thing that I would add is, you know, depending on what it is um, that has caused, you know, this sever in, in the relationship, uh, sometimes it can be forgiving and sometimes it can't. You know, there, there are things that are limits and or boundaries for some of us. Right. Um, however, if there isn't. And I'm saying that because obviously in the question you know it, you're you're asking uh how can the person be approached you know sincerity or like my wife said you know the intention of what it is that you are trying to communicate is necessary that it is communicated so you know in your intention just be very pure like in your communication that an answer is really the intention of your communication to this person. And I believe that if you communicate the answer in whatever it is that you do communicate, then it will pretty much turn out right. Because when you when you intend a communication to get to a person, 
in the spirit in which you deliver it, then it usually arrives, right? That's just the, the, the natural way of things. So, you know, just really take a look at how I'm going to say it and say it exactly like that so that that person gets you fully and purely as you intend for it to be. And last but not least, as we go on to the next question, do not be afraid to seek marriage counseling, couples oh, yeah. counseling. Okay. You want to go to a successful blueprint. Now, don't just marriage counsel with anybody because right. they married. Okay. You want to look at the fiber of their, of their love to see if it coincides with what you got going on or seek professional help as it relates to uh, marriage and couples counseling. All right. So here's the next question. We was only supposed to be an hour and we ain't got through half of these questions. Wow. <laughs> okay. How do you take, wait, how do you tap into your feminine qualities? Woo. All right. For the women out there, this is for us. Thank you all so much for the question. I appreciate that. Okay. Get ready to take some mental notes and write this down. So one, I would say one, we have to recognize that we are the second self to God himself. That right there is the divine feminine energy that we have to learn how to harness Harness that energy of with the knowledge, the knowledge, the knowingness that you are the second self of God. And when you realize that, that automatically places value on your feminine energy. OK, it places value. You don't have to define your work because it's already being given to you. Whoa, somebody write this down. You do not have to define your worth as being divinely feminine because it has already been defined by, by being the second self of God. Many of us is out of contact, context and character because we do not know who we are and we do not know whose we are. We are operating from the mindset and the function of Satan's woman. Don't worry about it. You don't have to blame yourself because we was made that way. OK, mm -hmm. so you don't have to, you know, go into victim mode because of that. You just got to now shift the energy from being Satan's woman unaware. Somebody write that down. Go ahead and take a mental note. You have to sh shift the energy of being the devil's woman because we was made that way. OK, and now shift your energy in practicing being God's woman, the second self. You are not third. You are not fourth. We're not fifth. We are the second self. That's one tapping into that divine feminine energy, right? I'm not just talking about feminine energy. I'm talking about divine, like you are divinity. Oh, somebody say this. This is an affirmation for the black woman, all women, but in particular, the black woman. I am divinity. See, you got to constantly re, re, uh, pour that into your spirit. And now it become the essence of your beingness because you are activating that divine feminine energy. We already know it, right? Or maybe we don't know it, but it's your nature. So it's tapping into the natural part of you. And we got to be taught this. And this is why I love the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, because I didn't always know this. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I didn't always know it. But now that I know it, I'm duty bound to practice it. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So we have to become duty bound to practicing divinity. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. Okay. For the black woman in the back that did not hear this, we have to be in all women. Okay. But I want to start with the black woman. We have to practice divinity. Right. Okay. How do you practice divinity, Sister Nayara? This is going to be real key. Y'all take mental notes and go ahead and write it down. Practice your intuition. Practice intuition, being intuitive, right? Because God is going to reveal through the woman. Be heart-centered. Get your mind and your heart in alignment, right? Your divinity is in your ability to, in your, uh, ability to practice compassion and love. That's divinity. So you start to take on the, the, the attributes of Almighty God. Okay, by whatever means and name you call him, you take on his attributes. That's divine femininity. Okay, being wise, a woman of wisdom. Because guess what? A foolish woman has no place in the kingdom. Hmm. A ignorant woman, a ignorant woman, as taught by the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan, is a sin. So you got to practice being wise. Right. That's divine feminine energy, wisdom. Okay, practice accepting, do not be so resistant, accepting things as they are. Okay, forgiving. Here's one, here's one, here's one because we're about to eradicate Willie Lynch mindset. Come on, collaborate, drop it. See, disunity, misunity, mistrust, distrust that stuff's got to go. That's not divine, that's not divinity. Okay, that's the mind of Satan. So when these things pop up, you gotta notice it. You gotta observe. Uh, what is it? Observe. Uh, observe. Yeah, okay. observe it. Right, and then be willing to eradicate it. And then, see, when you collaborate with another woman that's practicing her divinity, it rubs off on you. Right. This is how you can tap into your divine feminine energy. You got to be willing, be willing to be with a woman that's practicing her divinity. Okay. And it shows, it, it weighs on her. Some of us can be, you know, say we practicing, but we're so masculine. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm gonna leave that alone. Okay. Be reflective. <laughs> That's see, that's why y'all gotta come in my life coaching classes and my group coaching classes because right. we could we could go we could go there. All right, so um be reflective. A woman that's reflective over her life, her circumstances, you know, her God, her family, her children, her finance, being reflective because when you are reflective, now you are in learning mode, so you can be corrective to be able to rise up into your divinity. It's okay to know where you are and where you are now and where you will be as it relates to the feminine aspect, the feminine essence of God. Remember, we have both masculinity and femininity, but a woman that's second self to her, to, to the God himself, she's practicing her divinity. Right. Okay. And being able to have emotional strength. One thing that I know, you cannot be a weak woman. Right. When you're talking about divine feminine energy, you cannot be in a state of weaknesses where you give into every emotion that arises itself because all emotions, emotions do not belong to the woman of God. 
okay? And that takes patience, that takes prayer, that takes uh, fasting, right? It's, it's a discipline to be a disciple. Somebody go ahead and make a mental note of that. It's a discipline to be a, a disciple. And so as you're tapping in to that divine feminine energy, it takes discipline because the world, Satan in his world and his little minions wants access to the divine feminine woman. And it's not about what you wear, okay? As such as what's on your mind is going to determine what you wear. All right, so that's what I got to say. I could go more on that. I just hope that I get real passionate when it comes to the woman and her, her divinity, you know? And that's something that, you know, not only do I pray for, but I practice. I try to practice being the, a woman that's after God's own heart. And so an affirmation for us is I am divinity, okay? And this is how you increase your divine feminine energy. You're right, tapping in because it's already there. So it's about increasing and expansion. Okay, moving right along, because I know my husband can't answer that. But anyway. <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> well, go ahead, babe. I, I can share just well, a little share, bit. Share, share, share. Just a little. So in, in terms of this, and of course, I'm, I'm, I don't want to direct uh, my answer to the women at all. But what I would like to share is uh, to the men. And... Of course, in the nation of Islam, you know, we learn that men are the maintainers of women. And in, in, in depth of that, right, and not just surface level, because it's, it's a lot that goes into that. But just as it relates to the question when we're talking about um, divine femininity, it is or there are attributes in which the man possesses as well when it comes to divine femininity. And my wife just used the term tapping in. And it is something or there are characteristics in which we we too can tap into from the standpoint of understanding. And the reason why I say that is because here it is, you know, you have um, the responsibility or we have the responsibility of a woman who is tapping into something that is divine. Well, there's an order, right, in in the house, and of course, is God, uh, Christ, man, woman, and child. And from that perspective, you know, if we want our women to be able to communicate to us, and when I say our women, I don't mean that from a, a possessive uh, quality at all. What I really am alluding to is the idea of we too being connected to that same divinity. And in order to be connected to that divinity, we have to understand it. Well, how do we understand? We have to know. Well, how do we know something if we're not studying it or trying to work it out ourselves? So we definitely can tap into uh, divine feminine energy as it relates to our practice um, looking at what it is and how can we um, be a part of that divine feminine energy? Because look, if we are all children of God, 
right? And God is who he say he is, which we know he is the ultimate, right? And we are his child. That means that we too can tap into the same uh, attributes that he has. And some of us are blessed more than others. Um, but I'm just looking at it from a characteristic standpoint. And when we find our level of responsibility to tap into divine feminine, just like there is the balance of divine masculine, um, our women will be able to communicate better with us because we have now a better understanding as to what she is tapping into and it won't be foreign, right? And we will have an understanding and sometimes our ego and our pride gets in the way when we're ignorant of a thing. And that ignorance takes over an emotion and then we don't know how to respond. And I'm talking from an experience standpoint, right? So when we don't know how to respond, we too can react emotionally and cause an upset that is not necessary, especially to the development or the life lasting relationship that we say we desire. So I would just really take a look at um, as, as a man, what is it that I could tap into as far as one of those attributes could be, um, as far as intuition, you know, looking at our leader, teacher and God, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan, you know, I, I don't want to go too deep, but he too is styled as, um, having feminine attributes. I mean, how else then could he have the mind necessary to the honorable or the most honorable Elijah Muhammad that the Christ wanted from him, how, how it, it wouldn't be accessible because he would not have the attribute called allowing, right? And allowing is a very deep attribute as it relates to the feminine or the divine feminine attribute of a woman. And it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing when we can, help uh, our wives or our mates experience such a thing when we're not ignorant of it. And really when we educate ourselves more so on what uh, the divine is, then we too can have that same communication and or a communication like it so that we are available emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, and even more physically for our wives. Praise be to Allah. There you go. See that 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 that's that's my husband. Okay. So with that being said, this broadcast was only supposed to be an hour, and I hope that they let us stay on this broadcast more than an hour. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, because we don't want we have many more questions. Yes. So let me just try to get to the next one. Um, this one was for you. How can I help remove emotional impediments from my son? Okay. So this is an in-depth question. And what I mean by that is it, it requires a little bit more investigation. Um, however, when we're talking about emotional impediments, the quick answer to this question for me would just be auditing. And the reason why I, I, I share auditing is because the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan led us to uh, a technology called Dianetics. And um, 
that process will definitely help him if there if that is something that he too is trying to get help with. And for those that don't know, auditing is a form of therapy, is a form of counseling yes. that does not include drug or medication, um, psychiatric care. And I would say also, because um, I know we have to move on to the next question, is first and foremost, we have to, as a mother that has raised two sons, uh, raising two sons, we have to teach them how to get in touch with their emotions more than likely it's an impediment because they do not know how to express their emotions. So make it safe for your son to express exactly how he's feeling, whether you agree with the feelings or not, or even understand the feelings, but provide a safe place for him to express. Okay. Yeah. Don't um, make him wrong. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have to really just get into good communication and, and, you know, say that, you know, it's OK for you to tell me exactly how you feel and then be willing to listen to him and not just listen, but understand um, his emotions. Most young men are invalidated when it comes to the emotional state of existence, because um, if you black like me, you came up in a culture where uh, black men are told not to cry, right. right? You you don't don't be doing all that crying. You're gonna be a little sissy, little whatever, whatever. Right. You know they are made fun of when they try to exp express their emotions from a younger at version of themselves. So that's 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 a part of a culture, a uncivilized culture. Right. So we have to recondition. We have to recondition um, how our young men are tapping in or expressing their emotional states of existence. Okay. I don't know if y'all can hear me. It seems like we going in and out over here. So it, it's a conditioning and it's a reconditioning and it, it really does uh, starts with us as women, making it safe for our sons to be uh, emotionally expressive. And then if there's no father in the home, I would say get a sound mentor for your son. Um, definitely you want to have someone who you know, who you trust, who you admire, you know, and that has a healthy evolving healing relationship with themselves or they don't suffer from um, emotional impediments. That would just that would just be some of the things that I would say in conclusive with my husband mm -hmm. and um you know, it's really, really, really important to have a mentor, you know, um, no matter where you are, whether you in a nation, not in a nation, um, wherever you are, you got to be able to have a sound uh, brotherhood, sister, your brotherhood to help or mentor to help him emotionally express himself. But everything starts in the home. And if there's no father that's in the home that can help you do that, those are some of the things that I would say. We hope and pray that that answer is suffice enough or it gives you uh, stepping stones to help with that, okay? And again, we are representing the Repair of the Black Family uh, Foundation. Right. So all advice and suggestions, we are coming from that perspective as we are using principles of our faith and uh, different knowledge and aspects and tools that we've been able to learn throughout life and experience. So by no means are we representing any other entity uh, that can be held accountable for what we're saying. All right. 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 So thank you very much.
And with that being said, okay. Benefits of detox. Hey. Yes, benefits of detox. Now, y'all know I love the detox. I'm the detox queen. <laughs> okay. I'm the detox queen. Okay. So we're just going to run through these really quick. First and foremost, detoxing gives you a clarity of mind. Yes. Okay. If you want to clear some things up in your mind, detoxing is really, really good because it get rid of brain fog. Okay. If you all cloudy and everything and, you know, forgetfulness and all of this stuff, detoxing really helps. Um, it helps to cleanse the lymphatic system, yourself, cleanse the debris from a cellular level. Okay. Um, it helps with weight loss. It helps with, uh, what else? Skin, right? You want to have that glow. You definitely want to, um, you know, understand that detox helping with that is nourishing to the gut, right? So the gut is your first brain. And if you want to clear your mind, clear your guts. Somebody write that in the chat in the comment section. Clearing your mind is clearing your guts. So the benefit of detoxing is elevation, is evolving, and it's longevity, right? So you get to experience longevity when you detox weight loss. You get to um, get rid of all dis-ease through detoxing, okay? Detoxing literally get the impurities and the impurities out from a cellular level, okay? You get to repair and restore when you detox. So right. those are some of the benefits uh, of detoxing. Is there anything else you would like to say, babe? Um, just to add to the whole idea of, of, of detox or detoxifying, um, what, what, what you're doing is ultimately, just take a look at that word, right? Um, detox. D just means to get rid of or to um to banish from right and then tox is just short for toxicity or um uh what, what's the word just the stuff that's not good for our bodies right and detox is, is not just a physical thing it's also a spiritual thing so you can definitely get rid of the things that are just impure or things that are not good uh to you and for you so it's just important in the sense of getting rid of waste, getting rid of toxic ideas, toxic habits, toxic impurities that lie in our systems is a very good way to get rid of those things so that we can purify ourselves to be able to be stronger, better, and clearer beings. And what comes to my mind, and then we'll move on to the next question, um, especially when it comes to building the kingdom of God on earth, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we have to be willing to strengthen the flesh. Okay. And detox helps with that because, you know, a lot of times we have the, 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 the spiritual fortitude to do some things, but the physical, the physical necessity, the, the body can't house the spirit. Mm. So you want to make sure that you are physically fit in order to house the spirit of God. Remember, your body is the temple. So if you want to evolve to higher states of existence and to higher states of awareness, fasting is definitely a part of it. And right. fasting and detox, fast, in fasting, you do get detox, but there is also uh, 
specific detoxes that you can do to fast. I mean, I'm sorry to excuse me to detox different aspects of the body. Right. Okay, so detox and fasting is in the same, but it's not identical as the same. Right, okay, right, right. so we definitely want to be clear on that. And listen, if you want more information on detoxing, then definitely Sister Nair and Brother David can help you as it relates to detoxing. Okay, and regenerative. Uh, health. All right. So the next question is, and let me know, family, if you all can still hear us. Um, and if you have any questions, don't be afraid to shoot us some questions. All right. So uh, what do you do if your child is being bullied at school? My goodness. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna take a step back. And because <laughs> I do know what I want to say as far as your child being bullied at school, but I'm gonna let my husband say something and then well not let, but I'm gonna pass the digital it's microphone okay. over right. to you. you <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So um I mean me personally, we I don't think I don't remember at least any stories where our children experienced bullying per se, but um, the thing that I would say as far as being bullied in school, what would you do? Um, or at least your child being bullied in school, what would you do? So, of course, I would investigate the situation as best as I can first with my child, right? Find out what's going on, how long it's been going on, so on and so forth. Um, but I would certainly contact the school and um just really get into communication or, or at least a better and deeper communication with my child so i can find out you know why is it and how is it that he or she is being bullied um because there's there's obviously you know a a, a certain degree or a really deep degree of fear that's involved here as to why this uh bullying would be continuing or or is happening right so um i would definitely look at it from that uh aspect and then too uh, i would just get in contact with the necessary people at the school and have a, a huge conference right with the person who's doing the bullying their parents and the whole staff whoever it is that needs to be involved so that we all can be taught on what's happening and what's not happening in the school, not, uh, or, or at least, um, you know, maybe even at a deeper level in, in the homes, but so that there's a, a level of understanding that is reached uh, as it relates to both families and the school so that a level of responsibility can be taken and we aren't continuing to allow an upset to be created and destroy our children. Okay, that, that's my husband's response. I'm still growing on that level. So I have to be very transparent. First and foremost, I believe in making sure that your child is well-trained on self-defense. That's number one. From the crate, from, from birth to they could throw a baby bottle, I believe in children being trained. That's just me. If you know me up close and personal, I, you know, I, I, I train, I made sure my daughters and my children, they get their children trained. I made sure that my children was trained on how to defend themselves yeah. that's one that's not the first result but that is a part of my solution make sure that your child is trained all right okay that's number one two if they are being bullied at school 
Um, first, I always believe in having conversations. I had conversations with my children to make sure that you know how to tell somebody. And the first person you tell is me because people, children out here killing themselves, y'all. Okay. So this is something that we cannot take lightly. So you definitely want to make it um, where that child can come and talk to you first. Um, I have an open door policy with my children and I made it very clear. I want you to tell me something before somebody else has to tell me anything. And we just, that's the policy of the mother, daughter, mother, children relationships, daddy, family, but definitely with me as a mother, I made it aware uh, that my children, you come talk to me and I will stand with you in the right. Secondly, these children are afraid to tell because they don't want to be known as a snitch. Okay. So we have to have a no snitching policy amongst the children. And these things are taught. So when they experience it at school, then there's another, there's a different type of awareness. There's no such thing as snitching. Okay. And this is where you have that, that parent or the parent teacher conferences. And also you, you want to make sure that you can go in and make sure that there's a no bullying policy. Okay. Um, another thing is, is uh, being able to get it. Like my husband said, get in conversation with the school. You know, these are ways that you could take matters into your own hand, but I believe I'm like old school, you know, how my mom taught me, we're going to go over and talk to the parents. Okay. Um, but you want to go over, remember intention is bigger than words. You want to go with the intention of resolve. Don't go over there. Like you just finished show up at somebody's house and be all that. Cause it's a different day, a different time. But as much as you can put peace in order in, then as much as you can really bring down the, um, the resolve of bullying, because you got to go in, in the situation as a peacemaker. So that's what I would say as far as that is concerned and you need a community, you need community support and everything. I just truly believe that everything starts in the home. We have to teach our children um, of the no bullying policy because you don't want your child to be a bully or you don't want your child to be bullied. Right. So I believe that the conversation started starts at home and we got to go back to old school parenting. Okay, y'all let me know if y'all agree with these things. Put me some hearts, likes, and loves. Show me some yellow hearts, okay? Share this live and let us know how we doing with this broadcast. But go back to old school parenting, okay? Don't be afraid to talk to your children and find out how their day is going. Because right. most children that's bullied, they don't have conversations and tell the parents that they are being bullied, okay? And this is why it continues on. It continues on because the, the initial conversation is not had. Thank you so much. The initial conversation is not had. So that's what I would say. Um, and thank you for uh, that. You say you love the podcast. I really thank you so much for that. So have the conversation with your children. And, you know, again, I, I believe in getting trained, you know, because self-defense is real out here. Okay. So what is that? What's the next one? What? Okay, here's another. Oh, these are a lot about the children now. Okay. What age should you have a sex conversation with your child? Um, well, I believe, you know, birds and the bees, you start as long as, as, as old enough as they can comprehend. Okay. Old, old enough as they can help comprehend that the level of maturity of that conversation. Right. It is definitely the parents have to gauge that uh, based upon maturity level. Okay. Because if you don't teach your child, 
trust me, YouTube, internet, they friends, uh, the schoolmates, they cousins, somebody is going to be willing to have a conversation. So it's better for you to have a conversation before somebody else has the conversation or another child introduces it to your child. And there are some things that's just irrevocable. Once they get not only the conversation, they get the experience. And um, I know from not just research, but personal experience, these children are being exposed so uh, pornography and all these other things at a very young age. I'm very. talking about five, six, seven, eight. So the earlier you can gauge that child's ability to have the conversation, you want to put the do's and the don'ts of what is your family policy as it relates to that. So again, these are just some of our viewpoints. It's not necessarily law, okay? But if you could take what's good, take what's good. The rest, leave it alone. Right. Okay, babe, is there something you want to say? Yeah, I would just um, I would just add, you know, when you lay down the do's and the don'ts, just also remember to get their idea on, uh, you know, what you're having a conversation about. You know, find out from them what do they think about, you know, such and such and so-and-so because... What it does is you want to create a conversation about this because the conversation needs to be healthy. It doesn't need to be very uh, apparated. Yeah, <laughs> just do this because I said so. so kind of right, thing, right. Because mm -hmm. you don't want to you don't want to create uh, 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 an upset. You don't want to create an unknown. And and when I say an unknown, you don't want to just give them some information that they aren't able to process or think with right like my wife said you want to make sure that they are ready with a certain degree of maturity to have you know the conversation that needs to be had and that way too you know you don't leave them lost in in what it is that you know your viewpoint alone is and then when the conversation is done um you've actually had a dialogue and there's a there's an understanding and not just you doing this because I said so. Right. You don't you want to you don't want to you don't want to put fear into the conversation. And I think that's one of the successful actions that we've had as parents with our children. Like we have family meetings. We've always had family meetings, even now they're adults, you know, and married and they 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 spouses come to the family meetings. Yeah. So you want to have a safe zone where the children can put anything on the table and you have that talk. So depending on the age that they can comprehend the conversation, then you definitely want to have the communication so that, you know, it's a healthy dialogue. And it not only for, you know, talking about sex from them having sex with consent, you know, children are touched these days, yeah. you know, little children. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, it is not coming from a stranger. It's coming from somebody that they know. So you want them not to be afraid and say, hey, you know, such and such, such and such is going on. And then they know that it's safe to talk, talk about it with you. But if you are afraid to have the conversation, then things can be happening to your children and you would never know. OK, so you definitely want to make a safe zone, right. like a safe zone conversation when it comes to any subject as it relates to uh, your children. Yeah. All right. So there we go. That's that. And again, I hope that that serves uh, serves 
as an answer or in a solution. Remember, we're talking about Heal on Purpose. This is a podcast that is going to help repair the Black family. We ask that you continuously support the podcast. If you're listening from our live Facebook page on Repair the Black Family, you can donate stars so we can continue with the mission. As you can see right here, you can donate to the PayPal as we're going to continue to bring content that is going to be a healing bomb for the family. Right. Next question is why? what age should we... Well, these a lot of okay no what age should we have okay yeah i'm sorry what wait why is self-care important for boys and men all right i'm letting my husband go ahead and talk on that well you know um even though it started with the woman um it's still self-care i mean we do need to take care of ourselves as as young boys and or or men and it extends past a physical self-care right um we just really need to be in touch enough with ourselves to have conversations with ourselves as far as and when i say conversations i just mean affirmations and the the type of writing that we need to involve ourselves with um as it relates to developing our relationship with ourselves and with Allah god because it's important for um, you to begin to develop that relationship with him and that connects you more with yourself and that self-care is, um, is, is such a necessity, especially these days because the disconnect is deeper uh, as it relates to um, men from uh, like there's this, there's this idea of, you know, babe this uh this uh toxic toxic masculinity thing and um just the whole idea of that and how it's being pushed is is i mean it's more so a political thing is just something it's a device that's used to create argument but there are parts of it that are true when it relates to men being able to take care or put attention on ourselves uh, with the self-care uh, respect versus uh, a, um, a dominant um, male domination or chauvinistic or, uh, you know, the, 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 the typical things that we hear in the media today as it relates to men and um, our disconnect to women and or children. So, I mean, to me, those practices will really allow for a man to be able to dive deeper into himself and um, be able to show how, oh, hi, Jessica, um, how to, you know, continue to heal uh, that relationship with himself so that he's more available for his, uh, his, his mate or his spouse and his uh, children. Thank you, babe. And I just want to say this from uh, the viewpoint of raising two young adult males and being married to my husband. Um, from my viewpoint, it is really important for men to uh, have so. Care because. Right. It builds a level of intimacy, of being intimate with themselves, of, of knowing how 
what serves them so that they can be attentive, not just to themselves, but attentive to others. Uh, for me, you know, in, in raising my sons, I've personally felt that there is no way that they can love somebody outside of themselves more than they love themselves. And that love is not a superficial love, meaning like they look good and, you know, they lotioning down and doing all of these things. It's beyond that, right? Self-care is being able to meet, for me, is being able to acknowledge yourself, acknowledge that you and who you are, you are a God, right? Care, caretake of your spiritual, caretake of your mental, caretake of your emotions, especially when it comes to emotional emotions, because in a man that's unavailable emotionally, it causes disconnect in the household, disconnect with themselves, disconnect with family. Right. So me watching my husband go through, um, you know, working on himself, healing himself from where in aspects of his childhood, where he did not have the opportunity to explore certain aspects of emotional, uh, what I want to say, availability. availability that spilled over into our marriage. And that's another thing with coming together and being able to heal on purpose watching that process and then also helping my sons to grow through that process has been an absolutely beautiful thing. And a man that's healing creates a family that's healing. Let me say that again for those that's in the back that made that didn't quite get that. A man that's healing is going to help create a family that's healing. Remember, family, we have been broken for over 400 years in the wilderness of North America, there's always a journey to healing. And that first step to healing is building an intimate and personal relationship with the Lord of the worlds. Okay. So that's what I would say. Self-care is self-love. All right. And thank you, Jessica. That's one of my mentors. All right. Why isn't, and this is going to be the last question. Why isn't much emphasis on boys waiting to have intercourse until marriage like girls hmm. well can i start out again? Yeah, okay. let me just say this i'm gonna always take it back to the breaking to the breaking process yeah, i'm gonna sure. always take it back okay <laughs> if y'all know anything about sister Nayira, you got to get this this book the willie lynch letter and the making of a slave okay nine times out of ten our men from the breaking process was used as studs. They was used to, uh, to uh, what's the word I want to say? They was used to, you know, populate, populate the planet. So they, they was used for that. So plantation, plantation. Thank you. <laughs> they was used for that. So what you are seeing is a residual effect. That's from a DNA cellular level that it's okay for men to sleep around, do these things, activate. That's that's a that's a sign of manhood when they're able to do that. So there's not a lot of emphasis. And to me, that just comes back to the breaking of a God, okay? And the making of a slave. The break, look, write this down. The breaking of a God and the making of a slave. We are looking at generational trauma, generational drama generational self-sabotaging behavior patterns we were made that way right. so that's the root cause of it but now in these days and times you know we are living in a sex driven sex crave craving society where it's purposely done from 
spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically to get our children and, and take them from their nature and make them into the bestiality mindset that the enemy has for us. That's a part of the destruction of the family, in particular, the black family. Right. So that's why I would say it's so much emphasis on girls, on girls, because I mean, when it comes to girls, uh, versus it is boy. And really, honestly, in this day and time, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't see it quite as wholesome as it was when I was coming up. It's like it's open game unless you got some moral standards about yourself. Right. But the way this society is making it today and we got babies, babies. You should have got it from me, Jessica. You know, I got these books on my website, girl. Babies are having babies and we are not um, we're not being groomed the way we used to be. You know, babies having babies. And the, the psychological effect of Willie Lynch is, is just, is real out here. Yeah. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, um, nevertheless, that's all that, uh, those are all the questions that we have, that we have family. It has been truly rewarding yes. for us to sit as a couple with our mission to repair the black family, which is going to repair humanity we pray that we have offered some valuable insight and solutions to help you individually, as a family, as a community, as a nation, as a world, to be able to have effective strategies, insight, care, love, right? To be able to heal on purpose. The first stage to healing is recognizing that there is a problem. And once you identify the problem, then you have to be solution-minded. There's a healer for every family. So somebody is going to benefit by you taking charge of your healing. And so we ask that you tune in to Heal on Purpose podcast. This is a special episode, but you can download it on all major podcast streaming uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can continuously to uh, look at our YouTube channel. In addition to that, we ask that you support the foundation. We have our book, okay? This is something that you can have on your coffee table, The Repair of the Black Family. 33 powerful authors that's going to walk you through a journey of healing, telling their stories, words of encouragement, lessons learned, and then guess what? Action steps. Action steps to get in action. It's not just a plan, but it's an action, yeah. okay? Yeah. So you can get that book on our website at mm -hmm. www.repairtheblackfamily.com or you can go to Amazon. We are Amazon International best-selling author. So this is a book to have. If you do not have this book, then I'm just going to truly say it humbly, you are doing yourself a disservice. So go ahead <laughs> and get the book. Do not hesitate. If you do an Amazon Prime, you can have it by tomorrow, okay? Go ahead and get the book. We love you too. Thank you so very much. The next thing is, as it relates to um, you know, activating your superpower, Sister Nayira has now launched her group life coaching, okay? This is going to be uh, launched, well, it's actually launched today, but it will start October 6th, 
four weeks, one hour with Sister Nayara, giving seven strategies to activate your superpower. If you have ever felt stuck or if you've ever given away your power, aware or unaware, okay? You want to increase higher states of consciousness. You want to increase communication. You want to be more consistent. You want to have the power to influence, look, and manifest. <laughs> you want to reset, release, and activate. Unbeknown to you, you have different layers of powers that has yet to be activated. So you want to get in this class, you can definitely register for it today. It is limited spots. You will get a copy of our best-selling book, which is the Repair of the Black Family Anthology. You also can uh, go through the website, sign up today, 20 spots, only 20 spots, because I want to be able to give my full and complete attention to this mastermind coaching program. You can register today. You also can get it on a firm, okay? So don't let money or time be a, a, a distraction. Invest in you so that you can elevate and take yourself to the next level through activation. And is that it, babe? Oh, last thing, merchandise. If you do not have your Heal on Purpose t-shirts, it's time for you to get your Heal on Purpose t-shirt, okay? Unapologetically healing, Heal on Purpose, you get to wear your affirmations on your chest, okay? So do not hesitate, get your shirts today, and just know this, that is your time to Heal on Purpose. We love y'all family, thank you again. Oh, I forgot. We're going to Egypt. Yes, we, are. <laughs> we are going to Egypt and it's not too late. We do have three spots available to go ahead and take you back to the motherland. Okay. So that you can also experience seven days, six nights, up close and personal life coaching with Sister Nayara and Brother David. Okay. You if more information, text 727-623-5555. And trust this, it is going to be just Im oh, immensely contagious when it comes to activation <laughs> all right you will not be the same and so with that being said i thank you so very much we love y'all for yes, real okay is thank there you, anything family. else that you got to say babe i just want to say thank you for the questions i appreciate the opportunity to help uh just provide some you know, some insight on some of our difficulties as it relates to our families individually, as, you know, a husband, as a wife, as a couple, and um, just share with you, you know, our experiences so that it could help you um, better be able to tackle the, uh, you know, the unwanted or the, the obvious things that we entertain in this lifetime. So, I just really appreciate the questions and allowing us your time to spend with you to do so. And um, I like to thank my wife as well because I was able to sit next to her, y'all, and do some 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 real coaching. So it's been beautiful. Like I said, thank you for your time, and I can't wait till we do this again. All right, thank y'all. Y'all go ahead and study this. This is this is a message to be studied. We love y'all, and we are out of here.